everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital revolution by speaking with thought leaders and business executives who are helping change how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Josh Greenbaum, who's the founder and leader at Enterprise Application Consulting, which he started in 1998. Josh is a distinguished analyst that many of the top vendors work with on a regular basis, and he's helped bring a more customer-centered perspective to a lot of what these vendors are doing these, in these times of high change and so many pressures being put on customers to get into the digital flow of things, use technology more wisely, and get more customer-centric. So Josh, thanks very much for joining us. Great to have you. It's great to be here, Bob. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. And so Josh, in addition to you know, your EAC business, your, your book author, you've written tons of things, blog posts and analyses of what's going on here. So I wanted to ask you, talk to us a little bit about from the customer side today, right? There's, they've got their own internal pressures, right? But within their own industry, within their own company, how do they move into the digital world? And at the same time, there's a greater number than ever of tech vendors promising them that if they'll just buy my stuff, all their problems will be fixed. So what's the mindset like over on the customer side? Uh, you know, they're, they're, ironically, both, both sides are at a crossroads, driven by the same problems and obviously with very different, different experiences of it. But customer, customers are finding that they too are siloed, that their buying processes are siloed. The, the term customers expanded tremendously in the last few years uh, to include not just the CIO, but you know, the other tech leaders in the, industry, in the company, particularly the, um, particularly the line of business leadership. And that has really changed the dynamic inside these customers. I've, I've been working with a lot of them to try to help them really bring all the different voices into the conversation. ERP and enterprise software was very much the domain of the CIO, but business and tech, business change and digital transformation is the domain of the line of business. They've got to step up. Uh, the CIO has to meet them more than halfway and vice versa. And there's this complexity and internal dynamic going on inside the customers about how do we really ourselves set ourselves up to be, to, to be successful in a complex digitally transforming world. And it's, it has, you know, and this is of course the vendors, many of whom, the ones we, you know, we know, know and love, uh, they're, they're finding that, you know, they've been committing what I, what I always say is the biggest, most, most common, common problem that, that enterprise software vendors have, which they try to sell product the way they build it, not the way it's consumed. So they're siloed. They've got, they've got you know, the, there's all these different groups. And in fact, they have different sales motions and that can't happen anymore. This consolidation at the customer side, as it's working its way th through their process, has to be met by consolidation at the vendor side. And, you know, right now they're sort of sometimes passing like ships at night and, you know, without even necessarily seeing or hearing each other. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a big problem. So Josh, that's a very interesting perspective. I've heard lots of different takes on it, but I love the way you put that about that the tech vendors, especially the software companies are selling the stuff they make based on how they made it rather than how it's being consumed. It seems like a simple idea. Is that starting to take hold? Are we seeing some progress on that front? Yeah, I, I'm seeing more and more. I'm going to, to vendor events uh, where where they're they're looking at they're starting to present solutions that really are solution oriented that and trying to hide the complexity that they offer 
uh, or that that supports this this solution. The the idea that you know they, they need to come out and say, here's an integrated process. In fact, here's a process. Let's not talk about it being integrated. We're going to take you know the basics, you know, invoice reconciliation kind of process. The customer really doesn't want to know that there's five five apps and a whole bunch of middleware and two different databases and a, an MDM ETL thing going on back and forth. They just want to know about the process. These tech companies and they are tech companies are so enamored of their technology. They just can't help showing, you know, showing how pretty their underwear is and, and instead of just putting on the nice shirt and pants that the customer wants to see. And, and we're starting to see that shift. And these, again, these discussions are coming up more and more about Here's the, here's the solution, here's what it is. Now, underneath that veneer of solution is still a lot of tech complexity that the vendors have to admit exists and that they are all desperately trying to hide, but at least the conversation is changing a little. So Josh, I was, I was thinking about an old anecdote here. I, it, you know, how much apocryphal uh, materials in this or not, I, I'm not certain, but. Apparently, uh, some 40, 50 years ago, when Sam Walton at Walmart been doing a ton of business with people at P&G, and he decided there's got to be a better way, a smarter way for us to do business together. So he called up some top people at P&G and said, why don't a couple of you folks come down? We'll talk about how to get our computers to talk to your computers. It's going to be better for everybody. So the P&G team shows up with about 30 or 40 or 50 people and, you know, 500 uh, a transparency overhead presentation and they start going through like the history of PNG or the history of commerce or consumer right. products, whatever it was, about five slides into it, Sam Walton flips the lights. And I said, boy, this is all great. He said, could you please just tell me how our computers can talk together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get the base. So they start through the presentation again, five more slides and Sam Walton flips the light and says, guys said, I'm just not interested in what you're saying here. And I just, think that that to me represents a classic story of somebody who's unable to sort of disassociate himself or herself from what is going over there on the other side. And I don't think the PNG people were trying to do that. It's just, can we get ourselves out of this mindset? And it seems to me, Josh, that today that ability among tech companies and as you were describing among the customer companies of being able to see things, not from the heads down view of, you know, my personal workflow, but what's going on in the big outside world and why is it that customers are hopping around you know consumers faster and with less loyalty than they ever have before so i think one of the things that all the tech companies have to be able to get today is this really i'm not trying to get touchy feel but this almost like empathetic sense of i gotta have pride in the code i've made but what i really have to get is how those people out there are buying how they're behaving how they're changing how they're moving and I got to be able to move as fast as they do. So sorry for the long-winded story, but you've been on top of this for a long time. How are we doing with that? Well, we're doing okay. I mean, I think that that story of you know Sam Walton's apocryphal or not is is a pretty endemic sort of is, speaks to an endemic problem. I think that that you know there is again these motions. The, 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 you know, the aphorism I said a minute ago that you sell the way you build it, not the way you buy it. Customers have been buying it the way it's been sold, not the way they've been consuming it. I mean, it's, it's, it's on both sides of the aisle. And in fact, one of the things I've, I've been a little surprised at, you know, I have a, a particular interest in customer success and I look at it from the project standpoint because that's where it starts. We, we're going to implement complex enterprise software. The, the, the success rate, the, 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 the really screaming success rate is very, very small. 
the failure rate is unfortunately very, very large. And, and more importantly, in between, there's a ton of just mediocrity, just junk that gets implemented so-so and we sort of live with it and kind of like all this, you know, all this conferencing software we try to use and it takes us forever to get started on. But um, unfortunately, there's also a bit of complicity there in the customer base. They've, you know, if you, if you have a couple of gray hairs, you've been around the block a few times, you built your career on overcoming this stuff, on climbing that mountain no matter what and dragging, you know, dragging all your, your equipment up it. And there's a certain reluctance to give that up. Um, to give up that control, but also there's a there's a Stockholm syndrome. I, I'm I'm still perplexed at the at the problem. But when, when you really present to customers, I have a solution. I have ideas on how you can fix this problem. How you can get to a better and more successful implementation and and go live and better, you know, lower TCO, better time to value. They're not interested in new stuff as much as I would think. They're much more interested in, in cool, sexy technology. But to, let's get down to the solid, hardcore process, you know, and, 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 and look at it that way and fix this cultural problem. So when you look at implementation failure, it takes three to fail. Not one, not a vendor. They'll get the headline, not just the systems integrator. They'll avoid the headline and sneak out the door. But there's also a customer there who is effectively letting this happen out of ignorance or out of a certain degree of complicity. And, and so, yeah, everything, you know, there's a, there's a lot of mindsets that have to change here. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff there, Josh. So, you know, in spite of some of our human failings and frailty that lead to some of those less than optimal outcomes, are you optimistic about, you know, where the business is today? I, I actually am. I think that, what is really surface, so this is ironic, you know, the, the pain is a great, you know, great sharpener of, of wit and, and focus. Um, we shifted to the cloud big time. You, you're, you know, you're on, right on top of that. You've got you have cloud in your name. And, and what we're finding, unfortunately, is that it's not been the panacea it's supposed to be. We took away a, a huge underlying infrastructure of commodity functionality that was sitting in the data center. And we you know, put that in the cloud, but, but we're, the stakes are, are higher now than they were. And we're finding that the customers are buying, the vendors are selling, the implementations are getting complex and hard to do because the customer wants to do more and quite simply the, the available talent is limited, full stop. The boutiques are overloaded. They've, a lot of them, the cloud boutiques have been bought up by the big SIs. And so what's happening now is that there's this sudden realization, well, we're in a different business. In the old world, we could sell that thing, get our, you know, recognize that revenue 100% upfront and walk away and hope that the sky didn't fall. But if it did, it was behind us, not in front of us. Now we've got a world where your, your total value of that contract is expressed in two or three years once there's been a renewal. In fact, not just a renewal of what you got, hopefully a renewal with a few added seats with some new functionality. If you get the implementation wrong, what does that mean for renewal? So suddenly getting started in the right place with a customer is, is hugely important for vendors. And so they literally in the last 12 months have woken up and say, oh my God, a customer's success actually has to be my responsibility and I, and I have to stop faking it. So there's been, I mean, ironically, there's this proliferation of titles, customer success, chief customer officer, you name it, because everybody's sort of scrambling to say, okay, how do I do this? How do I really change myself as a vendor to be customer centric. 
I think this is huge. I think they are going to, this men, mental shift is going to change the industry. And it's going to be hard because, again, as I said earlier, it takes a couple, you know, it takes three to screw up a project. And it's going to, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take all three to get it right. But the vendors are leading and that's really positive. Yeah, Joshua, great story there. <clears throat> I love that it takes three to fail. I'm going to try to weave that into other parts of my life because too often it's just me that I'm, I'm looking at. But uh, oh, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying. So just one related point to what you, you were talking about there, the, the talent drain or the, you know, there's such a need now for really great people. You know, we talked a little bit beforehand about this thing of the developer boom. And I know this goes beyond developers, but where are we going to find all these people to help do the right sort of implementations, ask the right questions and, you know, a lot of the tech companies are now saying we have to help make our customers become software companies, tech companies, and not just buy our stuff and use it, but create their own stuff. Where's all this talent going to come from? Well, you know, there, there, I mean, there, there's a lot of talent out there. There's, there's, and it's not for, you know, I, you know, I, I, nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to come go to work and do a crap job. I'm going to do a lousy implementation. I'm going to screw this up. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Okay. But, but there is there is a lack of process and technology to make things better that has been holding things back. And I think overall, our industry has really seen this huge awakening of new technologies. There's a tremendous amount coming out of the open source world. We're seeing a lot inside the, um, inside the, the hyperscale vendors, the Amazons, et cetera, that are really addressing this need for better tools, better functionality, better better cross sort of uh, integration. And so I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that, that the, bon the bottom line is that we've, we've always been retraining ourselves, right? You and I started a million years ago in this thing called print. I mean, there literally was lead in, <laughs> lead being melted down to print this stuff. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's gone the way of the dinosaur. Uh, so we've all retrained ourselves. Our industry retrains and refocuses. And I think that's really happening um, you know, across the board. So I'm very, I'm very hopeful that for the most part, everyone in this industry is, is, is aware of that opportunity and, and, and can't wait to avail themselves of it. Uh, and we'll do that. And the, and the tools are there. Process is different. We need to think a little bit more about how do we get cloud implementations done better. There's, there's a methodology issue that still has to be addressed, but that's, you know, that's there. It's happening. Josh, one last question sort of about inside the industry before we jump out to something that I know is very close to your heart, but staying inside here a little, how about your company, Enterprise Application Consulting? Are you finding different types of priorities for the work you do as all these shifts that you've described have come to the fore? I'm certainly getting involved in, in a lot more high-level strategic planning because now, you know, and, and, and in fact, a lot of that my focus with my clients, and this is my end user clients, but frankly, also the vendor side, is really teaching what change management means. Because this is where things go wrong all the time. And change management now is really a, a mental state, <laughs> if you will, that you have to impose, says that we're not, this isn't technology for technology's sake. It's, it's got to have people involved. You have to get the stakeholders to buy in. You can't impose this stuff. And so a lot of my a lot of my work is really more and more being focused up at this this one issue. Tech is cool. I love it. I'm, you know, I'm. Uh, what can I say? You know, HoloLens too. I want to shout out to Microsoft. Cool stuff. 
but it, it'll never work unless we figure out the people process side of it. And that's, that's where I am now. A lot of my work is around that. You having fun with that? You bet. You bet. I, I more and more call myself a translator. I speak human, I speak engineer, and I can translate between the two. And, you know, you're like that as well. That's a, that's a skill more and more in, in, in desperate need these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Josh, this, this thing that I mentioned a moment ago and that you and I had a great couple great conversations recently about this, you've really become quite passionate about this notion of civic engagement. Unfortunately today, the lack of that in so many cases, the impact of technology on voting, some of those different issues, we see the pretty pathetic uh, number or percentage of the population that's involved in voting. Tell us about some of, you know, what really makes your heart go fast about that. Well, it's interesting. I just came back from DC. I was um, at something called the Election uh, Verification Network. It's a small working group of, of social, you know, outreach organizations, voter outreach organizations like the one I um, volunteer for, serious cybersecurity, you know, eggheads who are really involved in the voting world. And, um, you know, what we're trying to do is, as a group of organizations is fundamentally make it safe to vote, make it so that your vote counts the right way. So we don't have glitches where it's possible, like we saw in, in, in North Carolina, for a rogue actor to, to essentially invalidate an election, or where we had in, in Georgia in the last uh, midterm where there was a big question about were the right votes counted in the right way. This is a whole, this verification issue becomes an interesting technological problem because there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of folks who say, well, I have a solution because it's the solution they have for everything. It's called blockchain. Let's use blockchain. And what's really interesting about, about this world of voting, and it goes back to what we were just talking about, change management, the people side. It turns out, and, and uh, I'll, I'll quote Grady Boots on this. He said this to me once. Um, Sometimes a solution to too much technology is not more technology, it's less. And it's, you know, what we're finding, and we've, we as an organization of organizations have really done the research. When it comes to voting, actually less is, less is more. And the, you know, there's this simple thing called a paper ballot that's infallible, mostly because it can be verified, it can be audited, it doesn't disappear. Blockchain is actually kind of scary. You hack a blockchain, election or any kind of internet-based voting like vote and two things happen one three things you change the vote you make it so that if you're any good at it you can't act, it's not even found out right it's your traces are hidden and more importantly there's no way to, to to roll it back you don't know how did bob what did bob vote well he's you won't even necessarily remember how you voted. We've proven that. People show them the ballot three days later and they, they get all confused, except for the two top names on, a, on, the, on the ticket. So, so what's interesting is there's a lot of technology that goes into making it safe to use less technology. Um, and so there's, you know, there's, there's, there's that, that aspect of it is fascinating. There's a lot of vulnerabilities in our databases, particularly registration databases, that now members of the... Um, the election verification network is starting to work on to really protect the fundamentals of the system from from being hacked from being taken over uh, we got a long way to go but if we can build that baseline of safety and security which we desperately need then we can start tackling some of the other problems which is how do i 
push the complexity of the election system away and make it simple for, for everyday people to actually vote and understand what they're voting for, which is a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, I, I remember um, many, many years ago when I first saw some statistics about the number of people who did vote versus the number of people who could vote. And I, I thought this has to be wrong, that, that there's just no way. I mean, why would somebody not vote if you can vote? So, um, Josh, are you, uh, is it okay for you to mention the organization you're working with? And oh, yes. I'm more people than could... happy to. Yes. Please. Please. Yes, of course. Uh, a shameless plug um, uh, for the U.S. Vote Foundation, usvotefoundation.org. Uh, we, our job, actually, we collect the, the data that you need to know when, the, when is the next vote in your district and we partner with Ballotpedia so that we, you can know what's on the ballot. We have dates, deadlines, ex, you know, accessibility information. We, we can help you really understand when, 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 am I even eligible? How do I become eligible to vote? What kind of identification do I need? It's so unbelievably complex just to get that part done. I mean, you really, you know, um, most folks have no idea that we have 90,000 voting districts in the country that each one of them can hold a vote, that our ballots are unbelievably complex. And in fact, that's quite daunting. We're one of the organizations that tries to level the playing field, remove the complexity, and we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go as a country, as a nation to get this right. But um, we and other organizations are really pushing that, that agenda. And uh, it's very obvious to you, Josh, but just since we're on this subject, is, is your organization lean toward one party or one side or another. So it's interesting you say that. We, we had this discussion recently and you know, we, we're not even, we're, we're beyond bipartisan. We're nonpartisan and there's a huge difference. We don't, we don't take a side except the side of the voter. And I, you know, my personal motto in all of this is uh, made the best democracy win. We, we think that by empowering every citizen to be a voter, uh, we'll, we'll lift the whole nation that way. And I hope I hope and pray that, you know, as part of that, and we can get more voters out there, that we will start removing some of the polarization in our society and, and find the middle ground. I, I do think, and we work a lot at the local election, uh, local, uh, local level. At the local level is where actually things make a lot more sense. And getting more people to participate at the local level would make them feel better about the democracy. Because we, you know, ideology doesn't determine whether we want safe roads and nice parks and good schools. There's nothing ideological about that. That's pretty universal. And yeah. there's a lot we can agree on at that level. So I'm, 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 I'm happy. I have my own partisan views, but I'm happy to put them aside and, and work for, you know, work for the greater good, because I think that's really what, what we all need to do. Josh, before we go, is there any, uh, you know, parting wisdom here you'd like to share? Um, I guess would, would everybody please stop talking about blockchain and work on real solutions that really work using existing technology that are not a change management and crazy race off into the new world problem. Well, I think that's a very reasonable request. It could make more sense. And Josh, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing some of your perspectives. It's been my pleasure, Bob. Thanks a lot. And thanks to all of you folks for joining us here at Cloud Wars Live. We we'll hope we'll see you again on an upcoming episode. And please feel free to share your feedback with me at bobevanspa at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.